0: Okay, We are in, in, we're going to pick it up in Luke, where we left off last week, Luke chapter 1, a very long chapter actually. This, uh, uh, Luke chapter 1 has 80 verses, so uh, we'll pick it back up where we were last time. We, um, let's start reading from verse 30. So remember, Gabriel has now come to Mary. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So this is Luke chapter 1, now verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the, ho- and the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has, now con- has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So... Um, we spent a long time last week about verse 34 when Mary said, How can this be since I am a virgin? And how that is a very strange thing for, for a woman to say, who's just a few months away from marriage. If You should just be a few months away from marriage and I say to you, Oh, you're going to bear a son. You wouldn't say, ah, How can it be? I'm a virgin. The, the, the thought would be, Well, I'm getting married. I understand how these things work. But what the depth of that, that uh, particular verse was we covered last time. But the other thing that's happening here is, is look, look at what the angel says in verse uh, 32, for example. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high, for God will give him the throne of his father David. And in verse 31, behold, you will conceive in your womb and you will bear a son and you shall call, you shall name him Jesus. Look at what the angel does. The angel starts speaking t- into her life things concerning even the name of her future son. When you think about that, most people feel that, hey, this is, this is my prerogative to name my child what I want to name my child. Remember, when you come to the Lord, there are certain things that we do because He's Lord, because of Lordship. There are certain things that we lay down, certain things that people of the world have full right to, but we lay it down because He's our Lord. So in other words, I'm tired, it's Sunday, I want to sleep. Entirely able to do that and sleep, and you can never go to church if you don't want to. But there are things that we lay up of our own life, that I will lay down my sleep, I will, I, I will, I will uh, seek you in the morning, I will do certain things because you're my Lord. There are certain aspects of submission that come with walking with Christ. Here the angel is speaking into her life. Most people would say, no, I'm going to name this child what I want to name this child. Who are you to tell me? You know, this would be a normal response. Who are you to tell me what I should name my child? But remember, as believers, we lay down rights of our own. These are things that we need to do as believers walking in Christ. And then he he goes on and he, he says some other things. And he says, finally... In verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. That was his explanation as to how can this be, since I am a virgin. That was his explanation. Then he says, in verse 36, And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. Oh, it's very interesting. So, remember, I'm reading out of the New American Standard, which is, tries to be a word-for-word translation. Many of you use the NIV, which is a paraphrase in the sense it takes a thought for a certain verse, and it puts that thought into English. So, it takes that from the Greek and then puts that into English. This tries to be more precise on the word. So, if you look at the wording here, it says in verse 36, And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age you know the implication could be from this that she has now conceived that in that millisecond between verse between verse uh, uh 35 and verse 36 boom it was done i mean how long do you think it takes god to do this a nanosecond a picosecond i mean it doesn't take god very long god can do this Instantly, he can do this. It may have happened between verse 35, because the, it says the, the, the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. This future thing. And in verse 36, Elizabeth has also conceived. I mean, it may have happened that quickly. You think that she had to go away, and there was this some, you know... Hilltop experience, there's no indication of that. It may have happened between verse thirty five and verse thirty six. Now I don't want to build a doctrine on it, but it's interesting that he says that she has also conceived him. Isn't that interesting? May have happened right there. God is able to do things. And then he says, Nothing is going to be impossible nothing will be impossible with God, I meaning there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be happening. And Mary may not even know it yet. Because when women, the instant a woman conceives, she doesn't immediately know it. Mary says, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed. And then it says in verse 39, Now at this time, at this time, and literally in in my footnote it says, literally in these days, these very days, Mary arose and went in a hurry. So there wasn't much time between the time that the angel spoke to her and Mary left. Mary went to the hill country to a city of Judah. So remember, she's in Bethlehem, and, and uh, I'm sorry, she's in Nazareth, and then she goes to one of the hill country's cities of, uh, to meet Elizabeth. It says she went in a hurry. She went in a hurry in that in those very same days, she and she went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, and the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice, saying, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? So clearly, Mary is now pregnant. Mary is pregnant here. Clearly we see it. She said, Blessed is the fruit of your womb, not the fruit that will come from your womb. And he, she says, Elizabeth says to Mary, how is it that the mother of my Lord would come to me? Not the future mother, but the mother of my Lord. You know, it really bothers Protestants when Catholics call uh, uh, Mary the mother of God. It's just... But here, it's interesting. Mary proclaims, she says, how is it the mother of my Lord would come to me? So don't let it get under your skin too much. all right? Don't let it bother you. Right here in the Scriptures, uh, Elizabeth is saying, here is the mother of my Lord. Okay, well, I won't get bent out of shape over those sort of things. Do you know what I'm talking about? just, Just don't let those things trouble you too much. It's right here in the Scripture. And in fact, another thing that really bothers Protestants very often is people will refer to their priest as their father, and they'll quote this verse that Jesus said, call no man Father. But if you go to the book of Acts, in Acts, chapter, in, in Acts chapter 7, this persecution is about to start, and Stephen refers to his father many, many times, speaking of, of our fathers, our father, speaking of Abraham, speaking of the patriarchs again and again. And Stephen saw Jesus with his own eyes that day. So don't let these little things get, get, get you too excited. Um, but here she comes in and clearly Mary is now pregnant. That's why, when did Mary become pregnant? Well, it happened fairly quickly. It may have happened back in, in, uh, in verse 36. <clears throat> it may have been done. It may have happened right after verse 35. Right after he said that word, boom, it might have happened. And so Mary goes and, and Elizabeth says these things. And then in verse 44, for behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. And blessed is he sh- who, sh- who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. So you see, she says, blessed are you that believed. There was some coupling of belief in this. When Mary says, be it done to me according to your word. There was some belief in this, in this thing. Without faith, it says in, in Hebrews eleven six, without faith it is impossible to please God. Whoever comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Look what it says in, in Hebrews chapter eleven, verse six. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So you can't please God without faith. Whoever comes to God must believe that he is, in other words, we must believe that God exists, but that's insufficient. And that He is the rewarder of those who seek Him. God will reward you if you seek Him. That it says we must believe. Whoever comes to God must believe. These are the things we must believe. That God exists and that He will reward me if I seek Him. Not that my salvation is based on anything that I do. That this is an undeserved gift from God. But there are rewards as we seek Him. And Mary, as you read what Mary starts saying, in this this portion that she says, uh, verse 46 through verse 55, you can tell that Mary actually was very familiar with the Scriptures. Because if you go back to 1 Samuel, and you read Hannah's prayer, when she became pregnant with Samuel, this is... Extracted portions of this are extracted directly from Hannah's prayer. You say, Oh, it was fortuitous. I mean, come on. Two women just happened to be saying the same thing in the praise of God. No, Mary had studied that portion. Clearly, Mary had studied portions of the scripture in her young age. Remember, she's only about 14 or 15 years old. She had studied portions of scripture, and you see portions of Hannah's prayer right within this. And so this is what, what, uh, what Mary says in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Now think of this. She is very happy. Look at what this young little girl is going to go through. 14, 15 years old. Here she is pregnant and no husband. Uh-oh. That's a problem. And although she could get stoned for that in the Old Testament, she could not get killed for this in the New Testament because already the Romans had taken away their ability to kill, the the Jews' ability to kill people for this sort of thing. But she would certainly be ostracized. She would certainly be put out of the synagogue. This would affect her life. It would destroy her betrothal, her engagement. I mean... I mean, think about it. Here they are betrothed. They're engaged. and You know, you're, you're, you find out that, that your fiancé is pregnant. I mean, what are you, what are you going to say? Oh, uh, no problem. Don't worry about it. Well, I mean, this is a big problem. It's a huge problem. But here she is, willing to lay down. She has no idea that Joseph is going to receive her. She has no idea that Joseph is going to remain her husband. No idea of this. In fact, just the opposite. We lay down things. So don't think you're the first person to lay something down. Well, you know, I came to church today. Aren't you proud of me? No, I'm not proud of you at all. Not at all. This is expected of you. It's expected of you. There are things that you lay down, things that I lay down, to serve the Lord. Do you think I ever want to sleep in on a Sunday? Sure, sometimes I want to sleep, but I can't. Because I'm obliged. And I don't pat myself on the back. And look what a good Christian I am. I mean, compared to what our brothers and sisters in the world go through, this is truly kindergarten. Look at how much you go through. All the exams you have to carry and bear. me a break. I mean, this is nothing. This is nothing. Or somebody said something to you that hurt your feelings because they said something about your, your faith and it hurt your feelings. Oh, well, get over it. This is life as a believer. Things we lay down as believers. Remember, our brethren, even in the world today, because of their faith, are dying, or being, are are imprisoned, or beaten. Truly, what I have gone through in my life, what my colleagues at the university have said, is kindergarten Christianity. It is nothing, nothing, compared to what our brethren go, go through. What this young girl is subjecting herself to, by yielding to the power of the Holy Spirit, which she's about to go through. Losing the man that she's betrothed to marry. Uh, uh, Going to be ostracized by her family and the synagogue. It was a terrible thing for a woman to go through, to be an unwed mother. But her soul is rejoicing because she's submitted to God. This really is an amazing woman. Really an amazing woman. This is not just any ordinary... 14 or 15 year old girl. Verse 47. And my spirit has has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on all generations will count me blessed. And oh boy, they sure do. I mean, here we are. A long time later. And still we count her blessed. I mean, they're going to forget you and me. We'll, we'll, We'll die and we'll... Remember, we're going to be forgotten by the time the potato salad after the funeral is served. We'll be forgotten. Alright? But Mary is really remembered. They remember Mary. And we, we certainly still remember her. For the Mighty One has done great things. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name. And His mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear Him. Look at, her, look at her belief. His, generation, his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear Him. This is exactly what He is saying in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, what the, script, what the writer of Hebrews is saying. That whoever comes to God must believe that He is and that He is the rewarder of those who seek Him. If we seek Him there will be a reward. Look at this promise. And this is a quote from the Old Testament. She says, And His mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear Him. Now, how does she know an Old Testament Scripture to quote it? She's reading the Old Testament. She's studying this thing. I mean, so, what happens is, as you bring the Word of God into your life, the Word of God just starts coming out. This was a part of her life. And His mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear Him. This is the reward. <clears throat> I see students all the time trash their lives. And it's saddening to me. Making decisions that are going to ruin their lives. Making decisions on marriage, making decisions on, on what w- the way they're going to bring up their family, the things that they're going to do. I mean, this affects lives. And it hurts to watch this thing. But each of us has the opportunity to choose and to do this. But she says, if you will fear Him, His mercy is going to be toward you. Verse 51, He has done mighty deeds with His arm, and He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. I mean, look what He's done. He's filled the hungry with good things. So those who hunger are going to be filled with good things and the rich are going to go away empty handed. Not that they're going to lose all their wealth, but they're not going to have the blessing. There is something so much better than riches. Something so much better. I know all these rich guys in Houston, these oil traders and all this stuff, and you want to know something? They long to have what I have. And I don't long to have what they have. Because the richness that I have in Christ, the richness that I have in my family, is so far superior to what they possess. Because of what you have in Christ, and what you are in Jesus. He has given help to Israel as servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary stayed with her about three months, and then returned to her home. So he said, she says, you know, he's just confirming the promise. This is it. Now, remember, Luke, very sensitive to women, talks a lot about women, and giving us Mary's perspective. Doesn't tell us what's going on in Joseph's mind. Let's go back to Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 1 and see what's going on with, with, uh, with Joseph at this time. Same time these things are going on with Mary, what's happening with Joseph? Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Wow, there's a lot packed in there. So he says, this is how it happened. He said, the mother Mary had been betrothed to Jesus. This is like an engagement, but far more intense. It was a one year period, generally one year or six months to a year, that... They were committed to each other in this way, similar to our engagement. It says, but she was found uh, uh, that his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. So, in other words, they had not had sex on the side. Again, this is in praise of virginity. The Bible is praising virginity again and again. We talked about this last time. It is a good thing. Before they came together, and let me just mention, if you've lost it, commit that you, you, you'll you not fall into this again. That you reserve this for your marriage. You reserve this for the marriage day. This is a wonderful thing. And it says, Before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to put her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so, look at, look at this man Joseph. Remember, Mary's quite an amazing individual. The depth of her faith, the willingness she is to lay down her life for this call upon her life. It's very different. And and I'll tell you, I've, I've seen lots of young women, and you know what young women want? They want their marriages and their weddings to be the way they want it. And they don't want it to be something very strange and out of the ordinary. I want this to go right, and I want you to stand there, and you stand there, and you stand there, and this is how we're going to stand on the stage, and everything's going to go according to the pattern. Mary didn't have any say in this. She just willingly laid down her life for the Lord. Now, her, her husband, Joseph, is an amazing guy too. And Joseph, her husband, it even refers to her to him as her husband because this was a binding thing. You don't move into and out of engagement so easily. Before you get engaged, you get counseling, you get understanding before engagement. These are binding things. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man. So, the Bible says Joseph was a righteous man. Again, it doesn't mean sinless. It means that when he sinned, he did what was needed to offer up offerings for those sins. He walked in righteousness. It's the same with us. It doesn't mean that we are sinless. It means that we ask forgiveness. Joseph being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her. Whoa! Not wanting to disgrace her after she disgraced him? She's pregnant? And he knows he's not the one who got her pregnant? And they're engaged? I mean, that's real disgrace. She is going to be ostracized by the community, but what about him? He doesn't feel real good about this either. Imagine if it happened to you. You're about to get married in three months and you find out the girl you're marrying is pregnant. I mean, how does that make you feel? Guys, I mean, that's not a real delightful thought. And remember, in our culture, this sort of thing happens all the time. And so there's, 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 you know, it's kind of diluted. But in this culture, at that time, she was about to be ostracized and his whole family was also going to bear the brunt of this. Oh, Look who he got paired up with. Can't be a good family. And then what's going to happen? People are going to think Joseph was the one who impregnated her before marriage. And is he ever going to be able to find a wife now? I mean, this doesn't look good at all. After what seemingly she did to him, it says that Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, Love covers a multitude of sins. It says in, in, uh, in, in uh, Proverbs, this, there's this beautiful verse in Proverbs that mentions this very type of thing. I believe it's in Proverbs chapter chapter 10. Um, this? Proverbs, I can't find it here. There it is. Proverbs, yeah, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. It says, love covers all transgressions. Love covers all transgressions. In other words, she has brought shame to me and to my family, but I don't want to bring shame to her. Ladies, this is the type of husband you want. That doesn't, one who doesn't take your faults and start projecting it all over, but covers those up. One who's going to speak well of you. And doesn't, you know, go out with his friends and start, you know, blabbing all the the weaknesses you have all over the place. But speaking well of you. That's the type of husband you want. You want a prayer? Pray for a husband like Joseph. Pray for a husband like Joseph. That is a very good prayer. Say, Lord, give me a husband like Joseph. And you want to know something? If you learn to pray, God will answer. And the main reason you don't receive, the Bible says, is because you don't ask. You pray for a husband like Joseph. Not that you deserve a husband like Joseph. But pray for a husband like Joseph because God has a habit of giving us what we don't deserve. God has a habit of giving us far better. So you pray for a husband like Joseph. So this is what's going through this guy's mind. This is a hard thing to go through. The guy's only like 16 or 17 years old. Joseph, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her Planned to send her away secretly. Wow. He knew that he couldn't marry her under these conditions, so he had to, in a sense, divorce her. Some some scriptures translate this. He had to have her sent away. In other words, I don't want her to be here in in uh, in Nazareth and have to bear this. I mean, families, no families. Let's just. Let's just get her sent away so the poor girl doesn't have to carry this, this pain her whole life when the baby starts showing. Let's just do this. I mean, what a thoughtful man. After all the pain that he has experienced, I don't want to bring her any shame. It's not this attitude, well, I'll get my pound of flesh. No, it's very different. The way this guy is. This is what you want to be. Men, pray that you'd be more like Joseph. I don't want to see her abused, even though she's done these things to me. I don't want to see this happen to her. I mean, this is righteousness. This is goodness. Verse 20, But when he had considered this, in other words, he was considering all this, all of this was going through his mind. I mean, he didn't just say, well, just do this. I mean, all there's all these considerations. He's playing, what am I going to do? What can we do? What can we do that doesn't destroy this woman in the process? In other words, people we and others get caught in our sins sometimes. Well, what can we do to deal with this person in a way of love that doesn't destroy them? What's the best thing that we can do? Okay, so the young lady is pregnant not talking about Mary. I'm talking about, say, a young lady today. And she's not married. What can we do so as not to destroy her? She doesn't need for us... She doesn't need for me to, you know, jump on her and point this out. What can I do? What is the best thing that will keep her from having to bear more shame? What can we do to help her? You know, can we get her into, you know, uh, uh, just continue to counsel her, to have this baby, to give up this baby to a a Christian family or to family, to help her through this thing. What can we do? But it's not just in pregnancy, it's all sorts of things. What can we do? So in other words, I got an email just yesterday from a woman really upset at the university. She was really upset because she wasn't invited to a particular meeting. Well, I hadn't been invited either. This woman, she, was, she had written a lady to the woman who was organizing the meeting, saying how upset she was that she was not invited to this, and she copied me. And I replied to her, I wasn't invited to the meeting either. And moreover, had I been, I probably wouldn't go anyway, because I need another meeting like I need a hole in the head. I don't need another meeting. And I said, I'm sure you were not... Uninvited because of any any uh, ill intent it's just an oversight a lot of people to invite to things i'm sure i 'm sure she meant no harm in this and uh, um, so I, I wrote a few things to her and she wrote back she says you know you 're right. I need to apologize to that lady I mean it just just I overreacted so much as believers we can change the tone of a situation if we'll just take the tact of mercy. Just take it. Just go with mercy and we change the situation. So here Joseph is considering all these things. What am I going to do? And then it's in this consideration, it says, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. So this word behold means, Ta-da! You know, It's a big thing. It's not like, oh well, an angel just happened to appear. I and mean, this doesn't happen every day. Not even in the Bible does it happen every day. In fact, it hadn't happened for 400 years. This is the time Malachi was finished, and now all of a sudden, Gabriel's back on the job. You know, he's appearing to people all over the place. So this is a big behold. So he's considering, what am I going to do? And then the angel comes, and he gives him some advice. He says, here's what you've got to do. The angels appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. You know, this is a big thing. Don't be afraid. Now, what's going to happen with Joseph? People are really going to think that Joseph slept with this woman because what happens when people get married? And all of a sudden, a baby comes shortly after marriage. You're like, counting back. (laughs) (laughs) what's going on here? So, Joseph is going to bear some of this. He says, Joseph, don't be afraid. Yeah, you're going to bear some of this too. It's not just Mary going to bear this Look, You're going to bear it too. But there are times of embarrassment that we bear for the Lord. This happens. You know, people say things. You're not the first to bear something because of what the Lord has asked you to do. You're not the first to stand up and talk about Jesus in the world. you know that? You know, you bear some things for Jesus. He says, don't be afraid to take her as your wife. Imagine what he's thinking. Take her as my wife? Look what she's done to me. He says, no, you take her as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Huh? I mean, this is kind of hard to to take hold of, isn't it? Kind of hard to bear. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now he's telling... Joseph, what are you going to name your son? Joseph doesn't have any control over this either. For he will save his people from their sins. Well, I kind of wanted him to be a carpenter. So he's prescribing the name. He's prescribing the career path. Everything. I thought parents had a say in this. I mean, here he's laying something down. And now this all took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this is quoted from Isaiah chapter 7. So look back in Isaiah. So if you can find the middle of your Bible, and uh, uh, that might be around Psalms, a few books after that is Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7 is where this prophecy occurs. And in Isaiah chapter 7, there is this king, Ahaz, and Ahaz has two kings coming against him and he really gets scared. And so Isaiah is sent to speak to King Ahaz and to say, don't be scared, God is going to deliver you. And so look in in, uh, um, in verse chapter 7, verse 1. Now it came about in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin the king of Aram, and Pekah, the son of Ramalek, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not conquer it. When it was reported to the house of David, saying, the Arameans have camped in Ephraim, his heart and the hearts of the people shook as the trees of the forest shake with the wind. Then the Lord <coughs> said to Isaiah, Go now to meet Ahaz, you and your son shear Jashub, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. Okay, so... Um, Isaiah is sent to speak to King Ahaz and say, don't worry, God is going to deliver you. Alright, this is a frightening thing. Several groups of kings are coming against Jerusalem now and you're pegged in in the city. Um, In verse 10, Then the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Make it as deep as shield or as high as heaven. Okay, so Isaiah comes and he speaks to Ahaz. He says, the Lord's going to deliver you. And he says, I want you to ha- have a sign so that you can trust me. Whatever you want, I'll give you. Ask a sign. It could be as deep as, as hell or as high as heaven. You ask me for a sign, I'll give it to you, God says. And all of a sudden, Ahaz becomes spiritual. And he says in verse 12, but Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. This is not a testing in a, of the Lord when the prophet has said, ask. But anyway, he gets real spiritual. So the Lord said, Listen now, O house of David, is it too slight a thing for you to try my patience, try the patience of men, that you will now try the patience of my God as well? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel. And he will eat curds and honey at the time he knows enough to refuse evil and to choose good. For before the child will know enough to refuse evil and choose good, the land whose two kings you dread will be forsaken. This is the way we see Old Testament prophecy so many times. You see prophecies stacked together. This is an Old Testament prophecy, a prophecy that's going to take place, and a prophecy that's going to take place now in the life of Jesus. We're going to pick up on this next time because it's too good to rush through. Let's pray. Father, I thank You so much for the Word of God. And I thank You for the demonstration of the life of Mary and the life of Joseph. That they were righteous and godly people who knew the Scriptures and who could lay down their own lives for the sake of the Gospel. Father, I pray for these young people. I pray, Lord, for these young women that You would provide for them husbands that would be like Joseph, that would want to cover transgression, that would want to to speak good and to speak well of people. Father, I pray that You would provide for these men, women who love the Lord, women like Mary who love God and are willing to lay down the things that women can choose in their own lives because of their free will, but lay them down because of the Lord. Father, provide that for these young men, I pray. Father, I pray that from this class would be many marriages that would be good and healthy marriages where children could be raised loving the Lord. Father, I pray Your grace be poured out. Lord, thank You for the Scriptures, for the Word of God. In the name of Jesus, Amen.